Live from Beit Shemesh and broadcasted around the world, you are listening to the From Entrepreneur Podcast with your host, Nahum Kligman. Interviews and advice from Jewish entrepreneurs from around the world. Listen, learn, be Masliach. Welcome to episode 24 of the From Entrepreneur. And today I am, as always, Excited to uh, interview fantastic entrepreneurs, but this one's a very close friend of mine. I want to welcome to the show Moshe Terran. Uh, originally met Moshe when he came on board my first startup uh, when I had moved to Israel called Invite. So we worked very closely together for a couple of years. And, you know, if, if someone asked me about Moshe Terran, the one thing that I would say is that he is a rare breed. And what do I mean by that? Is that sometimes you'll have a fantastic entrepreneur, a fantastic visionary, and other times you may find a fantastic technology guy who is, uh, you know, also a programmer that you know knows every step from start to finish of a of a anything that has to do with uh, tech. And you know, but it's very rare to find somebody that excels at both. And really, that is uh, Moshe does have those rare qualities that he could be the CEO, CTO wrapped in one. And, you know, so I'm super excited besides being a good friend and having the privilege I've worked with him in the past. But, you know, we're going to catch up a little bit, hear what he's been up to and, uh, you know, try to see uh, if we could uh, inspire you guys to succeed even more. So, Moshe, welcome to the show. Hey, Nahum. It's good, to, it's good to see you. <laughs> it's great to see you with your uh, Cubs hat on. Well, uh, just to paint a picture for uh, our uh, listeners, uh, this is a special day for Cubs fans. We uh, closed out on the uh, NL... Uh, DS last night, division series, uh, for the first time in, I believe, since 1908 that the Cubs, uh, <laughs> have won a division series at home. So, uh, we're looking forward to bigger things. And in similar news, it's a Yoival year every 50 years, as we know. <laughs> <laughs> so, it makes, it makes sense. I think the Rebbe gives it a bracha. Yeah. So, if you were to describe yourself, what would you say, you know, I mean, I gave a little bit of an overview, but why don't you tell people what you've been up to in uh, general terms, and then we'll, we'll go a bit back into your background, and then we'll move forward from there. So, Well, I am an entrepreneur. I have spent the last 16 years in uh, startups, small companies, at uh, either beginning of an idea all the way uh, through to taking it to, uh, to market, or uh, in a couple cases, I joined a company after it was already founded or, or a plan had already put, been put into place and, and to help to take it to an, another level. But in the last uh, six years, I've been working mostly on the uh, Streaming the Net uh, website business that I founded in uh, 2009. It is a uh, media aggregation site uh, that enables uh, folks around the world to uh, listen to live radio, watch uh, live television from uh, places around the world. And we, we do um, a business uh, based on advertising revenues. So I, I just want to clarify to uh, my listeners because, you know, Moshe also has, you know, you hear about these guys that are sitting in a room somewhere, they don't have any staff and they're not very public in what they're doing. And I think this is the first time probably Moshe is sharing your story with us. So I appreciate that. Uh, but, you know, Moshe is one of those guys that, you know, there's no staff from what I understand, right? I do have a uh, group of uh, consultants that have worked with me over the years right? Uh, that I tap into their uh, their resources as needed. 
uh, but I have not had actual employees uh, right. through six years. And yet you've been growing the business and you've been successful, but you're not, it's not something, you know, sometimes you have a startup and people are talking about it and you're publicizing and here you've been quietly, uh, and I guess it's a uh, sneistic away. I don't know if that's the right <laughs> word for it, but, uh, you know, Baruch Hashem doing extremely well, but, you know, keeping it uh, quiet, so to speak, from yeah. on a personal level, but obviously on the... Yeah, Baruch Hashem, it's been uh, Baruch I mean, uh, there are, of course, uh, accountants and lawyers who make money from the business as well, but uh, for the most part, the construct of creating a business, uh, taking it from an idea to uh, implementation requires a lot of tedious uh, development, uh, development of ideas, and then, of course, uh, the actual execution, which is really a much later stage in the development process of a business. We could talk about that if you're interested. But the effort of starting up this business, uh, most of the development bi- uh, of the business uh, occurred in the, in the earlier years. And and then, uh, I'm sorry, the technical side uh, was in the earlier years. And then the development on the business side has uh, blossomed in the last uh, few years. So, but from a revenue standpoint, you mean start in 2009, did you, first of all, I guess the revenue model you said is advertising. Did you start to make some money right away? Did you know it was going to be such a big hit or did it take you know time before it really started rolling? The first year we uh, made more money than we put into the business. We pretty much self-funded uh, the business and we... Uh, you say we, you mean you. <laughs> well, this is the Royal. Uh, we're sitting here in a nice air-conditioned office yeah. um, uh, in my house and the we, I guess, includes me and uh, the mortgage. <laughs> but yeah, we, we, we did require some startup capital to get uh, the business going. But once the actual site was launched... We did in the first year experience enough revenues to more than cover the outlay, and since then, Baruch uh, Hashem, it's been a it's been a really great ride. Beautiful, beautiful. Okay, let's take a step back a little bit. Uh, I think we mentioned that. I mean, the only reason you would be a Cubs fan is because you're from Chicago. So, where you where were you born? Where did you grow up? Where did you go to school? How'd you end up in Israel? Let's talk about that for. Uh, well, Nachum, just for Cubs fans out there, I just <laughs> all three feel, of you. I, I feel I feel the need to defend that <laughs> Nachum just uh, uh, displayed his uh, New York. Oh. Yeah, just, I say because once in a hundred years they do something. So I, mean, I thought the Cubs were considered Chicago, uh, the the uh, WGN reaching the rest of the country. Maybe they don't get to New York. I'm assuming they do. That it would be actually America's team for baseball. But okay, I was born in Chicago. I lived there. Uh, my whole life until making Aliyah in 1994 with my wife and at the time two kids. Oh, wow. So you were already married when you moved here in 94. Yeah, we've been here, thank God, 21 years uh, plus, all of that time in Beit Shemesh. Oh, really? Yeah, we came to Beit Shemesh. It was still a, a three-horse town. Right. And there was one pharmacy that worked for a couple hours a day. And we moved to Ramat Beit Shemesh uh, in 99, and we've been here since. Beautiful, beautiful. And so where, where'd you go in Chicago? Where'd you go to school? Where'd you... Uh... I went to uh, several uh, of Chicago's finest uh, day schools, uh, but uh, for high school, I went to uh, Skokia Shiva for a couple of years, and then I wanted to try uh, the other side of town, went to Ida Crown Jewish Academy uh, for the other two, and I finished there. And you went to college, I assume, for... College, university, I I, technology. This is, this is supposed to be a. We have we have a lot of non-Haredi listeners. Okay, I went to the University of Illinois at Chicago, and my undergraduate degree is in political science. I had originally wanted and intended to be a uh, lawyer. I was planning to go to law school. I got a job in college in uh, a meat pack, a kosher meat packing company. No way. Uh, Sinai Forty Eight. 
See, I didn't know that about you. Yeah, there you go. You so you were a meat packer? <laughs> can I, can I, I quote I you on that? I worked in the office. Oh, I, like, <laughs> I, uh, I worked in, uh, in the purchasing department of a, uh, a meat packing company. And during uh, my tenure there, I noticed uh, a lot of the operational activity and procedures. This is still in the 1980s, uh, Nahum. I don't, were you born yet? Yeah, I was, I'm a 70s. And I noticed there's a lot of procedures and operations and things that were going on that just seemed very convoluted. And I started to map out in my head and then eventually uh, put down on paper and brought to management just some, I would call it operational, but it it was focused more on how the, the sales and purchasing departments could work in a more efficient way. And I diagrammed them out. I used, uh, I was like, I think it was a Mac at the time. Like, you know, in the (laughs) eighties, yeah, (laughs) like those those Mac twos, like the very early Mac. Yeah. It was was very difficult to use (laughs) in those days, but I brought the ideas uh, forward and I started writing out very simple macros on Excel to help uh, streamline some of the processes. And then it just got me thinking uh, that, you know, I could be doing this. So so you presented it to your boss and... I I went straight to the the owners of the company and I said, you know, let's do this. And they did it? Yeah, I was was very persuasive. (laughs) (laughs) So, so, okay, so you left the meatpacking company and you said, hey, this is something I want to uh, really get into? I got a job at the uh, Chicago Mercantile Exchange as a systems analyst with no previous college um, experience or anything on my resume showing that I could do it. Right. But I, I uh, was persuasive as well to the, uh, to the management that, um, that I could get the job done. What company was that you said? The company. <laughs> Nahum's like, I don't know, there, there must be there are companies in Chicago. I know that, right? <laughs> uh, the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, the oh, CME. Okay. It's, I think, at the time at least, it was the world's uh, largest futures uh, exchange, oh, yeah? exchange in the world. I worked there in systems uh, as a systems analyst a short time, actually, because we made Aliyah not, not too long afterwards. I was there for less than two years. Mm-hmm. And then in 94, I came to Israel on the back of some analytical and programming experience, not to get into the details of it, um, I managed to get a job right off the bat in Israel for Intel Electronics. Oh wow! So you this is so you didn't come to Israel with the job already in place. You just you just said we're coming here, and then you just got this job. Yeah, we're we're actually Zionists. This is this is before Nefesh Benefesh. Right. We came uh, on a wing and a prayer. We had I think uh, enough money to last a year. Right. Uh, I'm not talking about buying a car and, and a house and saying, okay, now we've got money. I mean, we, we came with nothing. We, um, uh, I got a job uh, within a month, uh, thank God, with um, – it's really – it's an Aliyah success story. It does sound like it. Yeah, it does. It? No, it's fantastic. Uh, and I worked from 94 to 2000 with uh, Intel, uh, first in their Jerusalem office, and then uh, we moved out to Kirat Gat uh, when the plant was uh, – the manufacturing plant was uh, created down there. Beautiful, beautiful. So, but then, so, and how long did you stay with Intel for? I was there for uh, just about six years, a little bit less than six years. And um, I left them. I was at the time managing the supply chain inventory systems. I was like responsible uh, for the inventory systems of um, Intel and in, in how. Spare parts and machine tool parts uh, made their way through the factories, uh, through the factory floor. And so very exciting stuff. It actually was. I mean, <laughs> it, it was it was many millions of dollars worth of uh, inventory. It was uh-huh. it, it, it 
greatly uh, contributed to the bottom line of uh, Intel. So, and we we the the fun thing about that was uh, we traveled a lot with Intel. Is they're very big proponents of doing something right and then cut, copy, and paste. And we would, you know, anytime a new facility was opened, we would go as a small team, as a founding team, if you will, and help the the new facility take those uh, to best tools and practices that we accomplished at uh, at the Kirat Gat plant in southern Israel uh, over, for example, to Ireland. Uh, we did it in, uh, I'm going to say Portland. Uh, we helped out in, in Chandler, Arizona, near Phoenix, etc. Nice. Very cool. So then after six years, what did you, uh, you end up doing? Well, if you've noticed the pattern, until now I was working for corporations, right. uh, big corporations, a very small cog in a very, very big wheel with a lot of organizational politics and culture. Right. And uh, in my heart, I was always wanting to, to go back to those meatpacking <laughs> days of being looking at, at processes, looking at uh, ways to make things better. Uh, the internet at the time was really in its uh, latency, right. and a friend, somebody that I knew from the neighborhood, came forward uh, with an opportunity to join a startup in Jerusalem called, at the time it was called News Alert. Okay. And uh, eventually uh, News Alert became Illumin. It had offices in Jerusalem for R&D and uh, production development and sales and uh, other office, uh, offices around the world, but primarily focused in, in Wall, off of Wall Street on Broad, near Wall Street in uh, lower Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I was responsible. By the time I left, by the time we uh, actually uh, exited uh, to a company called Pinacore, which uh, itself was bought out by CBS Market Watch uh, oh, wow. a couple of years afterwards, and then it actually their organization ended up ro- being rolled into Reuters Media. But that's a that's a story for another day. That I was responsible uh, by that point for um, R and D and development for uh, for this company, and um, it was really it was a great education of um, taking something from. It, at that point, it wasn't scratch. There was a very much an existing uh, business when I joined, right. but I was one of the early employees, and I watched the wave, the whole product life cycle of the business from somewhat of an apex uh, in an, a huge hiring boom and burst uh, as the Wall Street was very much affected by September 11. Right. We were in the financial services uh, industry and the technology was great, but there weren't a lot of companies uh, searching for... <laughs> Uh, New. So, okay, so after they exited, so then this is what, 2002? This was around, yeah, this is 2002. Um, I did some consulting for the company that uh, eventually uh, it was exited to. Okay. And uh, and then I worked with some of some colleagues consulting to them uh, on uh, satellite or parachute companies that, that came out forth from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I worked with them for the next year and a half or so until uh, 2004 when I met a couple of really <laughs> uh, snazzy-looking people in Ramat Beit Shemesh who suggested that I join them in, uh, I believe at the time I was uh, employee number four. Uh, me, Ariel, Harry... Uh, yeah, I guess, yeah. <laughs> I guess, yeah, we had, I think you were, you were, well, you were definitely the fourth main member of the company, the uh, fourth, uh, I say partner, I should say. And you exec- guys had executive. an idea, you guys had an idea and, uh, I helped to take it forward, uh, on the technology side and right. eventually, uh, ran the technology. Right. That was a, I mean, that's a, that could be a whole nother podcast that, that story and the, <laughs> the fun we've had kicking ceilings and, uh, 
<laughs> stuff. But okay, so let's jump. So then after uh, invites, I mean, I left invite after I think three years, and then uh, you stayed on for another couple years, and then you left in in twenty oh eight. In twenty oh eight, and then two thousand nine is when you started streaming uh, the net. Streaming the net. Uh, I listen. Uh, I had idea that was brewing in my head for quite some time that expats around the world, such as myself, are have, have a natural affinity to uh, the media of the place th that they called home before uh, or the place that they came from. And I wanted uh, very passionately to bring that uh, uh, media, that information to them, just as uh, I wanted uh, to, to have that for myself. Right. And there, there were some companies doing this. Um, the focus of the company was not on enabling uh, folks to, to do anything fancy with it. It was just to get them very quickly to the content um, without any bells or whistles. For example, like a local news radio program or a local news uh, show. Uh, I mean, a classic example would be uh, Latin Americans who move from, you know, Mexico or Argentina, Chile to the United States, and they and they want to get not just uh, Spanish broadcasting in America, but also content from uh, their places Hometown. where they came from. Filipinos who are spread out around the world, and they want to get to Filipino content. Americans living in Israel that you know want to get uh, to specific content from America. Uh -huh. So this is a great idea, really fantastic, and you know, so you've been. Uh, you know, doing that for the last bunch of years. So let's, you know, what uh, advice? Or, or, actually, before we get to, get to some advice, what would you say today? Somebody that is looking to do something from home, looking to run something that can uh, bring it, you know, pay the bills. You know, what space would you say is hot right now uh, that can be done from home or can be done quietly, uh, but still make a, a big impact? Okay, the obvious answer to that is internet in the sense that internet is a platform. It's it's a place where people can get to you. I think I, I had mentioned this metaphor to you in the past that internet is, is your mall. So when you want to open up a business, uh, whatever the business is, whether it's uh, good or not so good or great, it needs to be in a place where people can find you. And the internet, if it's done right, uh, can be that place. So the focus needs to be on something that interests you, something that you have, uh, the, you, the term is used often passion, but something that you have a very strong affinity to that you want to spend your days and nights working on. If you've found something or if you have something that you're good at, it could be, I don't know, somebody likes, for example, somebody likes to, to golf and that's not something very well yeah, done in Israel. Right. They could, well, well, most of our listeners are actually in the US. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, if somebody has a passion about photography, okay. if somebody has a passion about animals, they can create a space, a blog, a, a how-to site. Uh, they could create videos and put that on YouTube. There's a million and one ways that somebody can create a business literally from just putting together some ideas that are close to them already. Just something that's in front of you, something that you enjoy doing and, and transforming that into uh, a, uh, a package or a product that others can around the world can enjoy as well. So, I mean, just to uh, speak a little further on that, because one of the things I've been looking at in terms of the marketplace, I've seen, uh, you know, along the lines of what you're talking about is creating products as you, as you just mentioned uh, educational products whether it's an ebook or uh, it could be an educational course today there are dozens of platforms that makes it easy to give an online course and there are people that you know you sort of you create it once do it well and uh, build up a following and start selling it on uh, either on your own or on multiple platforms uh, and then uh, I guess you could rinse and repeat you know go to another topic or expand your topic and stuff and you know I think that's uh, actually probably a, 
a good way to um, you know get started in the in the space because you know if you're creating a blog unless you have a uh, you know it, it could take a year before you get any sort of serious following right. Well, I mean, the key advantage to the internet is that there are so many ways now to bring traffic to your site. Uh, we can discuss this literally uh, ad infinitum. Right. But obvious tools include buying traffic to start with. Uh, I wouldn't recommend that to somebody who's just getting started. But for someone who's advanced and they know uh, what they're looking for, you can monetize very quickly. And that's something that, you know, an experienced uh, person can help them. Somebody who's already done that can help them to, to, to get to that point. Where do they find these people? Like, how can you find, like, I, again, I'm this guy, I'm sitting in, uh, I'm sitting in Lakewood, I'm sitting in Brooklyn. I want to open up, you know, uh, I'm, I'm passionate about a specific topic. I want to, you know, build it out and, you know, uh, bring in the right traffic and monetize it. Is monetization really just with, uh, advertisements or the other ways to, mon- I mean, I guess selling your own, uh, products we just talked about, but what would you say? If somebody is, Literally, uh, starting from bootstrap, I would not recommend, uh, actually, uh, paying for, for content or paying for, uh, advertisements to, to get people to you. Right. Unless you know, unless you've done a very small test and you know that you can get back what you put into it from, from the very get go. Otherwise, as Albert Einstein once said, uh, I forget the exact quote, but something that you've failed in, in the past, if you haven't changed what you're doing about it, you can't expect it to have a different outcome. Right. In- Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting it to expecting different results. Very good. Yeah, that's one. Okay. I like that quote. No. <laughs> um, I feel strongly about uh, starting from the heart, starting about, uh, with an idea about something that you feel strongly about. If I'm sitting here in Ramat Beit Shemesh and all day long I'm thinking about what's going on in the news in Israel, and I want people to know about that, I could put that information out for free on Facebook or Twitter because it helps me uh, cathartically to, to relieve myself. I'm not saying that I have this idea. I'm just saying right. that somebody who wanted to do that. Or I can create, for example, a blog or a website that enables me and others to talk about that uh, concept and then build an advertising uh, model around it. And you might say, well, I, I don't know, whatever. But that's exactly what OnlySimchas.com or uh, Voice Noise or, or Rotter. Voice Noise? Uh, I don't <laughs> even how to pronounce it you know i'm an american i speak english and hebrew right the you know sites like rotter were basically started on, on those principles of you have an idea that you feel strongly about you put the information out you make others uh, be able to 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 participate in that discussion or to participate in that same channel you know and and that's what works so you're saying so it's not just about putting out the content but uh getting people to to engagement, engagement it's about right. engagement i don't feel very strongly these days about SEO. I know there's a whole cottage industry about search and en- uh, using search engine optimization to bring traffic. Mm-hmm. The search engines algorithmically will kill you. Anytime that you'll try to outsmart them, I feel strongly that you're not barking up the right tree. I think that the best method and the best... It's not a, be- it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. I think that the best long-term method or channel to bringing uh, good quality traffic to your idea, to your website, to your blog is uh, engaging them with meaningful or useful information or a tool that's meaningful to them and driving it with your interest, with your passion. 
Interesting. Very good. Okay. I mean, that, that's uh, some very valuable feedback and very valuable ideas for anybody out there that uh, wants to start something from home. Um, obviously, you got to, well, I shouldn't say it's obvious, but you know, we mentioned some topics, but um, you try to find something that has a, like a large uh, potential you know, audience, because you want you pick something too specific, and you're not going to be able to uh, get the advertising dollars you need to to monetize unless you're just doing it as a hobby, right? Uh, so let me uh, let's talk. And this has been great so far. Just to ask you a couple more questions. Let's. What was what can you say? Is some of the best advice that you received in the, as an entrepreneur. I think that it's it's hackneyed. It's been said a million times before, but it it really holds true. Do not be afraid to try. If you fail. You can just get up and do it again, and risk and failure uh, are part of the game of success. Very, very cool. And uh, that's something we've talked about in the past and so true. I mean, that's, I guess, an entrepreneur is willing to take that risk, is willing to uh, go out there and put himself on a limb. And what would you, what advice, if you, you know, someone's just starting out, someone that wants to, you know, someone's inspired by this conversation, he uh, says, you know, he wants to uh, go out and do this. What's the best advice you could uh, give him? Well, I would say to the person who comes to me with uh, an idea or wants to, to for advance a, a business uh, concept is that risk and failure uh, happen to everyone. Or risk is, is part of uh, uh, every business and failure happens to everyone at some point uh, in their career. However, by analyzing and getting as much information together before you actually execute a plan and by trying as much as possible to understand what are uh, all of the potential pitfalls to failure or to the uh the lack of success that you might have will help you so that when the failures do come, you have a game plan and how you're going to go forward from there. Very, very, very uh, useful information. Very great advice. All right. I think we're just uh, we're almost finished uh, here. Obviously, we, you know, you and I can keep talking for hours. Well, uh, I can keep talking. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, I love talking about entrepreneurship. I love talking about technology. So, but obviously, uh, the podcast can't go on forever. Uh, what would you say? And this is like, I guess, uh, what is one of your personal habits that you say contributes to your, to your success? Besides, I'd say tefillah or learning. I know you're very big into Mishnayas. I have an affinity to all of uh, the, the uh, Torah Shev not just uh, the Mishnayos. I do feel in terms of preparing oneself uh, for success that being as analytical as possible, getting into the details, analyzing what it is that you want to accomplish, creating a business plan, and then sticking to it, but understanding that as things fall, that you have uh, alternate plans or forks in the de- in the in the road that you can take as as those uh, falls come. So is that something like you're, you're, every day you begin your day with analytics or studying what hundred percent? I very I spend a good portion of my morning going through analytics uh, from the previous day to see what are the trends, where are the the users coming from, what are they doing, how are they experiencing uh, my site, what are they doing, and what can I engage them with that'll make them their experience more uh, meaningful. Beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful. So that's uh, also incredible advice. All right, let's add, uh, we'll end with just one more question. That is, do you have any uh, entrepreneurial books or marketing books or anything that you would recommend to our listeners to read? Uh, I would, listen, when I was working in the corporate world, I was a very uh, big uh, masmid of Eliyahu Rat, Professor Eliyahu Rat's The Goal, which is uh, like a game theory uh, construct. It's looking at uh, finding the bottleneck in a process and then looking for ways to, to dis- disseminate that. But 
since I've been working in the uh, startup uh, world, I'm not as interested in organizational process, and I am very much focused in responding to the pitfalls as they come. You got a hack attack, you got to resolve it. You've got a uh, a server down uh, that uh, has you know crucial or key information. How are you going to resolve it? And for that, I recommend strongly that everybody reads uh, the Black Swan by uh, Nicholas Taleb, which talks about those Black Swan events and how he's talking about it. Uh, primarily from an economic standpoint, but also as a life event management tool. How do we look at things as they come to us that we weren't expecting? And how can we plan for what type of response we will have when they come? Beautiful, beautiful. Well, Moshe, I want to thank you for uh, being on the show. Uh, it's really some great advice. It's definitely awesome catching up with you. You know, I love, uh, you know, what you're doing. And I know we'll have to wait for another podcast to talk about some future stuff that, uh, you know, we talked about off air, but I'm very excited for the projects we're working on. And uh, thank you again for being on the show. Okay. Thanks, Nahum. Thank you for listening to the From Entrepreneur Podcast with Nahum Kligman. We hope you learned something valuable and will share this with your friends. For show notes, archives of previous episodes, and more information to help you start and grow your business, please visit our website, www.fromentrepreneur.com. Listen, learn, be Masliak.